Talk, a production of Drama Shop, takes a look inside current productions to discuss theater in process, Drama Shop's mission. On the podcast this week, Drama Shop Artistic Director Zach Flock talks with Associate Artistic Director Elena Manchester on the Laramie Project, opening October 5th, and Trojan Women, opening at the Schuster Theater at Gannon University, September 27th. of the actual the yeah. project initially. Yeah, 20 years ago um, on October 12th of 1998 is when uh, Matthew Shepard uh, died from injuries sustained in a brutal attack uh, that occurred about a week or so earlier. So we're, we're coming up on the 20-year anniversary. So it's some pretty, uh, pretty heavy subject matter to be dealing with. Elena and, and Michael and I, when we were kind of initially looking at shows for the slate, um, you know, Laramie was one that kind of popped up on the list for that reason, because of the 20th anniversary. And initially, you know, my reaction was, is this a show that's still relevant? Do we still need to do it? And I kind of thought that Elena and Michael would probably say, nah, we probably don't need to do it. It's been done before. And, and you know, I was, I guess, pleasantly surprised, or I don't know if pleasantly is the right word, but, but the reaction from both of you was... Yeah, no, this is very much still a relevant show to do. Absolutely. Well, I teach that show usually in my intro to theater class. Um, when we talk about either theater as the function of commentary, or we talk about theater as holding a premiere to society. Um, and actually this year we're talking about Trojan women. But I am going to get to Laramie Project. Yeah. But um, what I've noticed from when I was a student and we learned about Laramie Project, we watched the HBO film. Mm-hmm. And I show some or all of that to my students usually, is the difference in their reaction from when we were students. I remember when we were students and we watched it, we were just very upset that this act happened. And then now when these students watch it, they are upset that the the community didn't necessarily rally behind this person and champion yeah. him. Now, not to give anything away, but some people do. Right. But mm-hmm. the fact that this was even a thing is why our students now are outraged. And I find that to be really hopeful. Yeah, yeah. Very much so hopeful. But, you know, the idea of hate, the idea of the other is nothing new. And right. It is definitely relevant. So, yeah, and and our approach, you know, we're working on it with a cast of eight actors um, playing 60 some characters over the course of the about it's about a two hour runtime. So they move pretty quickly from one character to another and and back and forth to those same characters. Um, But, you know, we've we they portray characters of many different viewpoints. And, you know, one thing that I think you, you try to be careful of in any production is that, you know, there there are no, especially in, in real life, this isn't Disney, there are no villains, right? Mm-hmm. These are these are all real people with real points of view. And, um, you know, 20 years later, it, the, the way that these people responded to what happened in their town at that point in time, you have to wonder, is it all that different from the way that people would respond to a similar situation were it to happen today. Yeah. Well, you know? I think you're right. Um, I also, like, I for me, the, the, the most important concept 
for me from that show is the idea of live and let live and how that is utter bullshit, Mm -hmm. how that's not a true, that is not true acceptance. And again, that's another one of those concepts that when we were students, I remember some of our classmates being like, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like you can be however you want to be over there and I'm going to be me over here. And talking to my students now, there is a fire in our, in, in this demographic or this age group or what have you, unless I've just been lucky enough to have students that are extremely woke or pretending to be, but they, you know, they call that out. Well, I mean, that's a really good point, even if I can kind of jump into that and seeing working at a college as well. I mean, there is a, a type of person who really wants to portray that I accept everyone and I really want to make sure, and I want to make sure that everyone knows that that's the way that I am. And then there's the actual act of, doing it. And I think that doing pieces like this, I mean, you, when when you created the graphic art, Zach, about this, you know, whole thing, and it took me maybe two or three times looking at the poster for this, uh, to see the, we are like this, that you burned into the poster of Laramie Project. And that's important. And it, and it comes from one of the characters. And I should mention that all of the dialogue and all of the monologues in the show come from actual interviews conducted mm-hmm. by the Tectonic Theater Company. They went out to Laramie 20 years ago mm-hmm. in the immediate aftermath, the weeks and months after Matthew Shepard's death, and they interviewed <clears throat> actual people. And um, one of the people they interviewed was a Muslim student named Zubeda Ula. And one of the things that she said to them at the time was that, you know, it's important that we recognize that this isn't some isolated incident that happened. This is something that we need to own. We mm-hmm. are like this. Yes. We are like this. Mm-hmm. And and I was actually involved in the production at Gannon in 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Um, and, and since then and upon rereading it, that message jumps out to me and has stuck with me. And I think it, it, you mentioned, you know, the live and let live is what resonates with you. Mm-hmm. We are like this is what resonates with me because we are, we as a country, we as a society, we are absolutely like this. We cannot just distance ourselves from this. We can't say this is something that happened 20 years ago and won't happen again. And it goes beyond um, homosexuality. It goes mm-hmm. beyond, you know, what happened to Matthew Shepard. I mean, look at... Trayvon Martin. I mean, look mm-hmm. at all of these other instances where mm-hmm. somebody dies under whatever horrible circumstances and how quickly it divides us politically, racially, ideologically. And we forget that a mother has lost a son. We forget the human element. We forget that we are like this. And and that's been you know, something that, that the cast that, that we wrestle with in every single rehearsal, that we want to maintain the humanity of it. We want to um, maintain the, the universality of it. We don't want Laramie to feel like some some city in some state far removed from us. We want it, Laramie is Erie, is Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. is, is Ferguson, is you name it. Um, you know, and and yeah, it's, it is not something that happened 20 years ago. It is, but it's something that, that has happened and continues to happen. The idea of injustice, the idea of intolerance, the idea of, of, of stripping away someone's humanity. And yeah, uh, it's a story that, 
that frankly still needs to be told. Mm. So we're doing our best to tell it. So how does staging something like this look different when we are in today's political climate as opposed to, say, you know, us doing this just as kind of like a conversation piece? I mean, it's always going to be important, but I mean, several years prior when we thought we were making this progress and we're, you know, it feels really positive. But like, I mean, it's it's not a secret that right now, I mean, this is a very tumultuous political climate is there something different now yeah i mean we are very divided and so i think the thing that you know i kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier one of the things that's important to me is that there are no villains in this piece now Mm -hmm. i don't say that in defense of people who did some truly terrible things i certainly don't say that in defense of people who were convicted of murder Mm -hmm. i mean if there are villains i would say people were convicted of murder are probably villains. But in terms of um, actors portraying people on stage, you know, you can't simply approach people who are um, homophobic as being bad and people who are accepting of homosexuality as good. We're not trying to pull the easy stereotype. Right. And nor does that serve an audience to see that kind of black and white and villain making yeah mm-hmm. right nobody is served by that um you know there are some characters in the show who frankly from my own point of view say some fairly reprehensible things but we handle those characters i hope with dignity and respect because they are human beings and most of them are human beings who agreed to be portrayed <laughs> for all eternity mm-hmm. in a play with their real names being used. And so I hmm. give them credit for yeah. for signing off on that and, and for saying, this is who I am, this is what I believe. So yeah, we're in a politically tumultuous time, um, more so you know, probably the most politically charged time in my life. Um, but you know, I think it's important that we approach the, the characters, regardless of their views, with sensitivity. Um, and that, that we present our audiences with the opportunity to, to respond how they see appropriate. Now, obviously, the murder of an individual, I, I think it's hard to, to come away from that without you know, feeling a particular way about it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, certainly, I think in, in a very divided time, um, we want to do our part to make sure that we're, we're portraying everyone with, with respect and with dignity. I said this to the cast at rehearsal the other night. When I was involved in the production as an actor at Gannon in the early 2000s versus directing it in 2018, my own views have certainly evolved. You know, the idea, I think, of of gay marriage being so widely accepted and and mainstream and and legal in the eyes of the Supreme Court, I don't think was something that, that we as a nation thought would happen so quickly. And, you know, we... We'll see what happens with the Supreme Court here in the future. Mm. But, um, you know, the country has has made tremendous, I think, strides is the word I'm going to use in the 20 years since Matthew Shepard's death. But certainly, um, you know, where the country was in 1998 and where the country is today, it's a very different place. That said, man, there's still a long way to go. We are not okay. We, we, we are, are not, not okay. okay, but I think that now more than ever, I think that we as a nation 
are more aware that we are not okay. And I think there's more of us on various spectrums where we have privilege and it, we know our privilege and we know that because we have privilege, it is our job to stand up for those who can't necessarily say the things that they should be allowed to say without fear of repercussion. Mm -hmm. And I think as theater artists, especially theater artists with privilege, that doing these kinds of pieces, we're never, it's never our intent to tell someone else's story because we're, we would be better at it or to know, to mansplain in a way their story. Right. We tell these stories because we have the privilege of the, the place and the time and the safety to be able to do those things without fear of repercussion. And so this specific incident of the specific murder I think translates to many other injustices that we, by bringing this up, by talking about it, it's again, it's us being able to use that privilege right. that we have on various, you know, spectrums to do the right thing. Yeah. At least a and little so bit. And so if I can get really like nerdy and get into the, into the structure of the play a bit. Yeah. I want to know how you do this show. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, one of the things that I think is really cool about the material and anytime I talk to someone kind of abstractly about the show and describe it to them, you know, one of the questions that, that I get is like, well, who's playing Matthew Shepard? Um, and yeah. if you've never read the show or seen the show, Matthew Shepard is not in the show. No. It, the entire play takes place after he has died. And it is literally taken from the transcripts of interviews that were conducted in the town of Laramie after he died. So, you know, he's not a character in the show. Um, it's, it's all of these interviews woven together, and it, it's broken into three acts. Um, we're probably going to present it with only one intermission, but, but it still has a, a three-act structure to it. Um, and it's, it's presented in a way that kind of through other people telling their stories, telling their, their anecdotal stories, introduces you to Matt and, and they call him Matt. And I, I love mm. that they do that because it humanizes him in a way that, mm -hmm. that, that the, the news headlines of just hearing Matthew Shepard quite doesn't humanize him. In the show, actually several of the characters, but one in particular, um, Doc O'Connor, who was a, a limo driver who, uh, Matt hired to drive him and some friends to Fort Collins, Colorado, which is where the nearest gay bar was because Laramie, small town, mm -hmm. no gay bar, um, said that when he picked Matthew up for the first time and, and drove him to Fort Collins, that um, Matthew made it known to him that I want you to know my name is Matt, I'm gay, and you're driving me to a gay bar, and I want you to know that so that you're okay with it. In fact, one one other character says how um, we always called him Choo Choo. First mm -hmm. it was Matthew, but then you know, it became Choo Choo. So, um, so yeah, the first act really kind of introduces you to the character and then uh, takes this turn where you find out what happened that night when uh, a couple of guys got him into their truck and drove him to the fence and and beat him within inches of his life. I'm, am I correct in saying that the only parts of the play that aren't things that were said directly to the people interviewing were other recorded interviews? So when you're staging it, is that correct? Like, they don't recreate scenes. Right. So there are... there are So the Tectonic Theater Company, 
went to Laramie and conducted interviews Mm -hmm. with various people in the town. So you have moments where our actors are playing members of the Tectonic Theater Company and they speak directly to the audience, Mm -hmm. basically reading what were their journal entries that they made while they were in town. Um, Other moments are scenes or monologues that are taken from transcripts of those interviews. And then the third source would be other types of interviews. Court, so court courtroom recording, courtroom transcripts. Yeah. Um, there's, there's right, there's an, an interrogation scene between uh, Detective Rob Debris and Aaron McKinney, I believe, or is it Russell Henderson? I'm not sure which it is. I think it's Aaron McKinney. Um, that's, that's the actual police interview that was done. Mm-hmm. So it's all public records. None of it and is... And the doctor, yeah. Right. None of it is fictionalized. It's mm-hmm. all stuff that's been recorded or you know some of it's even things like um newscast footage that's Mm -hmm. been um that's public domain that's been transcribed as well and this isn't a new theater style that they came up with no it is one of the more successful tectonic theater company kind of did not create it but sort of i don't want to say pioneered is not the right word but newspaper theater right um they they practice moments but um but i think the one thing that's so, so Act One really kind of serves as the introduction to Matthew Shepard and then gets into the actual crime that was committed. Um, Act Two kind of gets more into the immediate aftermath of the attack and into the, the time that he was in the hospital and how the town was kind of gripped by what was happening and, and, and the media attention, the, mm. the entire country turning its focus how on relevant. Larry. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Act 3 is once he's passed away, again, the media circus that ensues as the attention turns to the trials of Russell Henderson and Aaron McKinney and their ultimate conviction and sentencing. I don't think I'm giving away any spoilers there. Um, And then ultimately how the town kind of recovers from that. So now (laughs) that said, why should people go see that? Yeah. I have to say... It, <laughs> it is an oddly entertaining, um, it's amusing at times, um, it's heartwarming in odd ways. And you have some really great actors, We've too. got Your cast. We've got a fantastic cast, really good. eight really solid performers. Um, I think all but one are, are kind of drama shop veterans. Um, mm-hmm. Adam Rossi being the new addition to the company. Um, he's, he's a graduate of Point Park University and certainly has jumped right in and, and proven himself um, capable and worthy to be up there with some, some drama shop regulars as well. So, um, man, I got to say, the work that they're doing, and we're still three weeks out at this point, and as you guys know, those three weeks right before you open are really are when huge. a lot of the work <laughs> really happens. Yeah. But um, tonight was actually the first night off book for Act <gasps> One. And this is a show that jumps around from yeah. character to character, moment to moment. And I thought it was going to be a train wreck. I thought they were not going to know what's coming next. We're going to have to keep prompting them. They were really solid. And it makes me worried about the next two nights when they're <laughs> off book for Act Two and Act Three. But no, I really do think as heavy as the material is, mm-hmm. I hope that that doesn't scare people away and think like, oh, I don't want to go sit through a depressing night of theater because it's really not depressing. It's really oddly uplifting and there's a message of hope and there's there's a message of, of love and acceptance. And yes, we're like this, 
but we're better than this, and we can and will do better than this. Why do you think people should see it? I mean, you know the show. (laughs) Um, I know, right? Why do I think people should see it? I think, well, any sort of theater that shows you the way things were and yet how they are still the same, that's always a punch in the gut to me. Yeah. Um, But I love the idea of forgiveness. And I think there is a strong through line of that in the play. And again, not giving anything away, but Matthew Shepard was a loving human. And I think that this play is about love and it's touching and it's human and it's also really hard to do. So, you know, I enjoy watching tough theater and so I'm yeah. excited to see what this what the cast does with it. And I'm excited to see what your design is and your tech elements because I know you've been doing some stuff with tech. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, we got some stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm excited to see it is I'm excited to see the athleticism of it. I, yeah, that's a good word for it. I think, you know, and it, in some ways there are some similarities to Curious Incident in terms of that idea of an ensemble jumping into multiple and roles. That's my thing, man. But I think this takes that uh, and kind of <laughs> amplifies it by about a hundred mm-hmm. because it's, I mean, that's the whole thing. You know, Curious Incident, you very much had kind of the main three actors, four actors, and then the chorus. handful of chorus members playing multiple roles. This, you have an ensemble of eight. It is truly an ensemble mm-hmm. piece. And those eight actors bring 60-some characters. I haven't I keep saying 60-some because I'm scared to count the actual number. Yeah. I don't want to know. No. I'm going to have to do a costume plot at some point here real soon. (laughs) I'm going to know that number, and it's going to scare me. Laramie's one of the ones that I've always wanted to be in, but at the same time, I've always been afraid to be in. Yeah. Because I just, I I really hold it up high, so I'm afraid. Although, I just had a dream this week that you or someone was directing a, a Laramie meets Angels in America so Ooh. right what? oh my gosh you, you want to put me in Heart, an early grade that's what that would be. heart-wrenching yeah so I'm what's i mean what's interesting too having seen your rehearsal in the past week too is yeah. they kind of play in an amazing way of helping one another i mean they share that kind of like all right i know it's in the script to say you know this is this character, right. and I'm going to tell you his name. But they almost do more than that every single time they introduce another character. Right. They want to show you, you know, this is Parati. Isn't that one of the names? Greg Parati. Greg Parati. Company member Greg Every Parati. time they introduce him, it's like, you know, okay, I've seen him before. I'm ready. You know, they, right. they, they prepare you for that kind of understanding, and that makes it, you know, a little bit more palatable, I think, for yeah. an audience member who might be a little bit nervous for something right. that's a little bit more, you know, widespread. And you than raise a good abuse. point. I think we do a lot of favors for the audience mm-hmm. so that it is easy to follow. Mm-hmm. You won't get lost in that mass of 60-some characters. I think you'll know mm-hmm. who's who, and there are those prompts in the script where they're introducing those characters as they appear, or things like, you know, we'll, we'll try to put the same character in the same location on stage. Sure. Or, you know, things like that to give you kind of little cheats to help you kind of know what's going on. A lot of your actors have Shakespeare training, 
A good you number. Have that's yeah. true. Yeah. And I think that Shakespeare really preps you for a show like this. I think so, especially because, you know, the, the thing about Shakespeare is it's often a lot of standing around talking, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so talking this, to the audience. This is a lot of stand up and address the audience. Yeah. Tell them who you are. Tell mm-hmm. them what you know. This is why I'm here. This is what I'm, I'm going to, to tell you. you. Right. We're telling you a story. Right. There's not yeah. a lot of deception in this no. show. Yeah. That's so interesting. That's... Yeah, that's the kind right. of stuff that gets me. Is that like we're not pulling any punches? I'm not trying to make you feel like you needed a theater degree. Not that I'm putting down a theater degree, but if <laughs> right. you don't need one no. to enjoy, our this. audience members shouldn't need one. To, no, to this is accessible. Yeah, because yeah. it's so real. Yeah, here's here's something I think you guys will enjoy. These are these are the types of fun little questions I get from a cast working on a show like yes. this. Okay, so they the actors are basically playing the members of the Tectonic Theater Company, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Who then are playing the characters in the show. So I get a question from an actor that's like, okay, when I'm just sitting on stage... I I know exactly. Elena hates actors in this moment. I know who's asking (laughs) The answer is yes. Tell them, stop it. (laughs) Am I me, Michael Hawes? Or am I Greg Parati? Or am I Michael Haas as Greg Parati? The answer is yes. yes. Sit in yes. a chair. Yes. Whatever you need to imagine is fine. Right. And that was kind of Make it a secret. But it's funny because then I, I have a handful of actors who are asking that question. Mm-hmm. And then I have a handful of actors who, quite frankly, don't care they don't need that and that's okay you know that's different actors exactly Mm -hmm. i find as a director that it's a matter of identifying what does what do each individual actor need to do their thing Mm -hmm. and and how do i support them and convey that and give them what they need to to be successful so can we talk about trojan women now yes our first production of the year is trojan women originally written by euripides in 415 BC. Then there was this author, Ellen McLaughlin, and she wrote an adaptation in 1996, uh, Trojan Women. And it is a short adaptation filtered through the experience of the Bosnian War, the Bosnian War conflict. So she took a group of women refugees on all sides of the conflict. They took this a very old play, this very old anti-war play, and they filtered it through their experiences. Multiple women played multiple roles, and they some of them did it in their own languages. Um, what's interesting, so back in the way back back, the Trojan War is not a real war, but it's like a mythical historical war. Right. And they, uh, so it was part of their mythos, right? The Greeks. And so the Greeks would get together and they would have their festival for Dionysus and they'd sit through three plays. And, you know, the whole idea was very much like spring break. Everybody would drink wine and watch plays and celebrate fertility in their own way. And just like spring break. And so anyways, they would watch (laughs) these plays and the Peloponnesian War had just happened recently. And, after the Peloponnesian War, where they fought the Persians and the Greeks kicked their butts, the these various city-states, you know, Athens being the, one of the most powerful ones, was like, you know what? Let's keep Greeks in the or Greeks. Let's keep boats in the harbor, floating around in case those Persians come back. And there was this little island. I think it was the island of Mycenae or Milos. I'm gonna say the wrong one. It was one of those. Begin with an. You're gonna get so many angry letters. <laughs> Dr. Alex Holbrook, I'm so sorry. <laughs> So 
there, this island was like, you know, we're not going to pay taxes because the Persians are gone. And also, this is not what we do because we're all about independent city-states. And the Athens... That's the actual dialect. Like, and so then they were like, <laughs> well, you're with us or against us. And they're like, um, like, I guess we're against you, LOL, JK, JK. And so they killed every okay. man This is like island. the best episode of Drunk History. This ever. is like if I wanted everything to be told to me in emojis. <laughs> like, but, okay. Okay, so, bye. Yeah, so... so. So they went and they killed every man on that island. Old man, young man, babies, all of them. This now this is turn. not I know, right? That took a turn. Now this is not the first time this has happened. If you've ever taken any sort of biblical anything, this is this happens, right? right? This is not a new thing. So the Greeks are coming in. They're getting ready to watch this historic fiction. They love the Trojan War, right? Because the Greeks send in that horse to get back Helen. Like, that's what we know about the Trojan War, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. If you ask, like, Joe Schmo on the street, what's the Helen War? The, or what's the Trojan War? There's the, the horse full of Greeks mm-hmm. and that Helen with the pretty face. Pretty much all you yeah. know, right. right? And the Greeks won. So the Greeks are like, the women of Troy, oh, they're garbage. This is going to be great. So they watch this play in which they see their enemies all sad and they're like that's sad but it's okay but the play really is about the last male heir and they have to kill him and they just did that to a whole island so it was kind of badass of Euripides to write this to to hold up a mirror and be like you shouldn't kill babies by the way like that was awesome yeah okay so fast forward a billion to years, not really a billion to years, so don't do math. So fast forward to the 90s when this Bosnian war Now you're getting happens. an angry letter from Dr. Sedza. I know. <laughs> so I love her too. <laughs> I just love so many of our professors. Okay, so you fast forward to this Bosnian war conflict, and I don't, I'm not an expert on anything. But so <laughs> in the 90s, you had this... Bosnia, Herzegovina, thank you, Mm -hmm. on the other side of Romania, and there was infighting. There was a large group of Croats and Muslims and Bosnians and a bunch of other different groups, and they were all infighting. And so the UN got involved, and they were like, you guys are just separate now. And that didn't sit well with anybody. Now everyone's pissed. So then they have a war, and it's there's fighting, there's weapons. It's really bad. So the UN goes in, and they're like, this place is safe over here. You can't fight here because... You know, same thing we have in Syria, or what we're trying to do in Syria, what we right. tried to do in Yemen, right? We tried to get in there and make safe places. Well, what happened was a certain, one of the groups dressed up like UN peacekeepers and went into that city and killed all the boys and all the men. They convinced them to come with them and they killed them all. Sound familiar? So she got a bunch of these refugee women together and they, they looked at this ancient play, which is very similar. Yeah. And filtered their experiences. And now these women from all these different groups were working together to tell this story. So you have a Greek show, right? You have a Greek chorus. And the chorus's job in these Greek plays, like things happen. And then the chorus says, these things happened and it was sad. And they sing. That's why I'm singing badly so lovely thank you so we have a chorus (laughs) we have um a couple of main characters but i also put them in the chorus which wasn't how it was written but we i wanted the chorus to be bigger and Mm -hmm. i wanted them to be involved and then one by one the chorus basically starts disappearing because those individual characters would be leaving we also in a greek play someone has like a tragic flaw 
Right. They're hemorrhoids. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. So you kind of we we're still exploring like what is Hecuba's hemorrhoids, and she is the queen, the deposed queen of Troy. We have a wonderful artist, uh, actress, Jessica Nunziata, who's done wonderful oh, stuff for Drum Shop. Love that it. voice. Right? Yes. She was, of course, our angel in Angels yes. in America. She's doing like a guest artist thing for yeah. us and helping our students, you know, talk about she's a professional actress, what that Studied means. Studied at the NYU. Stella Adler, right? Yeah, the Stella Adler School in NYU. So, uh, and she kicked ass at her audition. So she also, yeah. she legitimately auditioned. Yeah. Um, so we're doing that. There's this, in so in a Greek theater, you know, the Greek theater, Greek politics was all pretty much one and the same. So a lot of Greek theater is debate. There are like two characters debating an idea. Mm-hmm. And that's what a Greek play is about. So there was this really famous scene in the play between Hecuba, Helen, the Helen, and Helen's husband, Menelaus. So Helen was married to Menelaus in Sparta. Hecuba's son, Paris, not his, not her famous son, Hector, the one who like fought Achilles, but the other son, mm-hmm. Paris, was the one who ended up getting Helen. And it's the whole thing with the goddesses and all sorts of whatever. Because wasn't it always, right? <laughs> There's this great scene wasn't it where always? Hecuba's like, Helen, you're a bitch. And Helen's like, no, am I? I think I'm just beautiful, and it's not my fault. And then Hecuba's like, I'm not even going to kill you because your husband's going to kill you. And Helen's like, you think that's how men work? And then Menelaus shows up, and Hecuba is like, Menelaus, she's terrible. Kill her. And he's like, I'll think about it. And Hecuba's like, don't you put him on your ship. Don't you dare put her on your ship. And Helen's like, get out of here, Hecuba. You're so old. And then he totally puts her on his ship, right? And so Hecuba's, she was prideful or something. Right. If she would have just killed her, Hubris. she would have gone. Yeah. Okay. But she didn't. She's like, oh, wait till your husband gets here. Right. And Helen's right. like, I think I know how men work. So is there a cast or is it just you doing this? Because I'm <laughs> fine with either scenario. What I, was gonna say I am is, fine. If you were all of them, it's that cool. scene isn't in there, which okay. I was really against. So what happens? Right. Well, in this version. So you listen to the podcast <laughs> and you this substitute version. this in. And you're fine. There's still an argument between Helen and Hecuba. And okay. Very cool. But the chorus gets involved, and there's some violence. Okay. Now, the Greeks don't put violence on stage, except, sorry, Nick Emmanuel, I guess in Ajax, yeah, technically, but whatever. Mostly, <laughs> they Another don't angry put letter coming your way. <laughs> they don't put violence on stage. But in this version of the play, there was some violence done to Helen. I don't think I'm giving too much away. Maybe I am. I feel like But anyway... Not. We're also exploring in this play some technology, which I'm really excited about. Like, Helen has an Instagram account. You can follow her now. It went live. She has That's some cool. wonderful pictures that we've been posting. A lot of my crystals are being used for these. I mean, they're Helen's. They're totally Helen's. We'll, we'll link to that. I mean, wherever, yes, please. Wherever this podcast yeah. lives, we'll so, link to it. So, um, Helen, we saw, I saw Helen as an, uh, an Instagram influencer. Um, this idea of spirituality that is empty the, without going through pain to me is just mm. not real. Right. So Helen as an Instagram influencer with her yoga poses and her acai bowls and what have you. Right. So she, uh, we're going to be doing Instagram live feed during the show and projecting it live on some projections to show how 
social media constructs That's war so to fit cool. their narrative. It's pretty cool. I didn't know that going into this. I'm so excited <laughs> and about then on it. the flip side, we turn Talphebius, who really is a messenger to be like, sorry, we got to kill that baby. Um, we turned him into like a state-run media news guy. So we're going to live film him and also project that. But it's how both... The, the news programs with gatekeepers mm-hmm. as well as social media frame everything. So how to suit is the mainstream needs. and how does that look against the just, you know, not filtered social media side? Yeah, it's but that's the same the thing, event. The social media is still filtered. That's yeah. what kills me. So all of Helen's stuff is so, so we get to it's, it's filtered through Helen. It's through yeah, Helen's yeah. version. And we get to put of, filters. Yeah. And we get to see how she acts towards the camera versus the people on stage. We don't use masks in this show, which is weird because I always use masks. The <laughs> so you have some students who might be surprised by this. So yeah. there are times we get to see that mask drop. Right. The way they act when the camera's on versus when the camera gets pushed to the side. We also created some state-run media and is a lobby display. Uh, so... Uh, like we want the audience to walk in feeling nationalistic, right? Like we're the Greeks. We just won this thing. So we created, we wrote a script. We just filmed it. Uh, a wonderful visual artist, Brittany Lee, also a drama shop yeah. uh, artist. She did the projection work for Curious Incident. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's very detailed and very, she has very clear vision. And so she filmed a fake news program where I and Sean Clerk and Father Sean play news reporters. Nice. And we have agents in the field. We filmed um, uh, King Agamemnon played by uh, Patrick Washington. We still are filming some more uh, segments to play before and after the show as you exit the lobby. Mm. So it's the whole experience from lobby to show that makes you question social media, makes you question media in general, the messaging, just really clear framework happening, hopefully. Fingers crossed it all works, because we're getting down to the wire. Very cool. And, yeah. I love it. So that was a lot. What's on my list? Yeah, what's on your list? Well, first of all, I haven't watched it yet, but I know I plugged this on a previous podcast, so I have to say that it's out there again. A new season of American Vandal just dropped on Netflix. Netflix, oh. and I'm really looking forward to that. That's the poop <laughs> thing, right? No, the penises. Oh, dick thing. That's this the dick season thing. is the poop thing, though. Um, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I haven't either. So that's that's on my list of stuff to get to. Now, why? To. Can I ask why? Why should you watch it? Yes. It's really good satire. It's good mockumentary. Okay. And it's just really funny. Um, I also I know that there's been a little bit of controversy over a, a particular. Um, Netflix series that just recently dropped um, over the host anyway. Um, Norm MacDonald, I guess, said some oh, stupid stuff about Oh, me he too. did. What well, was it? He, yeah, he, he decided some... to defend certain people. Right, right. Okay, which I don't fair. know much about those specific no. comments that he made, but I will say that I did just watch his season of his Norm MacDonald has a show on mm-hmm. Netflix. And I have to say, some of the interviews I thought were very interesting and very insightful. Hmm. So particularly he interviewed uh, Lauren Michaels from Saturday Night Live, yeah. who I've always been kind of interested in as a as a sort of um, groundbreaker in in a particular genre. So I found that to be an interesting yeah. uh, watch. As far as reading, um, I'll be honest, I'm I'm in Laramie mode right now, so mm. I'm not really doing any reading. That's Feels fair. Out. Anything on your list? Um, I have some friends and some shows. 
that movie Hellfest. It's like the amusement park ride scary movie that's coming out. My buddy Matt Mercuro's in that. Where uh, is it? That sounds very scary, but also very exciting. Yeah, that's like at the movie theater. Like, oh, it's, it's like in movie. like real movies. Yeah, oh my he's gosh. a real actor. <laughs> and then I have another that's friend who's in the FX show Snowfall, uh, Filippo Costa, and he's just so cute. I mean, it's about drugs and stuff, but he's just so cute. So I'm so excited. Like, I did uh, Midsummer Night's Dreams with those guys. So I'm so cool. excited to see, like, the work that they're doing right That's now. That's exciting. Yeah, pretty pretty awesome stuff. Um, uh, oh my gosh, what am I watching? I, yeah. I'm watching Parks and Rec again. Which yes! Is like, I'm so like, am I. I'm That's alright. I just, I just finished The West Wing for the uh, five yeah. billionth time. Although I was watching The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. I do love that that show, Glow. I mean, Glow's it's pretty cool. so good. Like, the... Not the wrestling stuff's whatever. I mean, I love it, but um, the relationships and, like, the women-positive thing, I just love I get so gooey about that. Also, we watch a lot of Llama Llama Red Pajama, uh, <laughs> which is always good to get away from uh, the Mother Goose Club, because yes. I can't stand that anymore. Also Warrior that- Goddess Training, and also Yoga for You, and Yoga Breathing, <laughs> as well as Yoga Diet. I've been into yoga. One other thing on my list, I keep rewatching it because I have the PBS passport thing. Ah. Hamilton's America, the I've documentary that oh, follows yeah. the year plus process of, of the writing. Actually, not the year plus, it was many years of writing Hamilton. I keep rewatching it because it's so inspiring as an artist. I haven't seen that, but I have seen him on Drunk History. The Laramie Project opens Drama Shop's 2018-2019 season on October 5th, with tickets available at dramashop.org. Trojan Women, the first main stage production at Gannon University Schuster Theatre, opens September 27th, with tickets and more information available at gannon.edu slash Theater. Thanks for listening to Shop Talk, a production of Drama Shop, theatre in process.